0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. What's happening? A good Monday morning to all of you. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is much appreciated. Before we get started, I have to say thank you. Over 1,760 subscribers now on the channel. We made our goal well before Valentine's Day, so thank you. And it begs the question, what's the next goal? How about 2,000? Can we get to 2,000 subscribers by March 1st? It's a pretty heavy goal. We're going to go after it, though. 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. Quick note, Steve Belichick obviously going to the University of Washington as its defensive coordinator I think this move is going to impact the Patriots. I think a lot of people overlooked the role that Steve played here in New England. He was a very good play caller. He also addressed the back end of this defense and helped marry that with, you know, Gerard Mayo and Demarcus Covington's work in the front seven. So a very interesting decision made by Steve. It makes a lot of sense. Move away from his father. Move away from New England be the head guy on the defensive side at the college level. Hopefully it works out for him again. I I thought he was very good in his role the last few years here with the Patriots. Good for him for taking that shot and moving away from home. Covington's now the guy. And we remember that DeMarcus Covington co-defensive coordinator for Eastern Illinois in 2016 has not called plays in the NFL. So that is going to be a monumental task for him and this coaching staff. All right, let's move on to News from Jeff Howe over the weekend on the Patriots front office. Here's what Howe wrote at The Athletic about the general manager position. Gerard Mayo began reaching out to candidates shortly after he was hired. It seems likely a new voice will be added to the personnel department, but that role or title is still anyone's guess. In-house candidates Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh have also been under consideration. Whether the Patriots name an official general manager, they will tab someone to run the department, and it's viewed as an attractive job opening. So while sources around the league are curious about the process of hiring a department head, it's also because they're hoping to get in on the action. That's called the old what's going on over there. What's happening over there? And how can I get involved? Are they talking to people? What if I want to be somebody in that front office? What if I want to be the general manager? So a lot of sniffing going around regarding the Patriots front office. But that was Jeff Howe over the weekend. And the first thing that jumped out at me is people have overlooked the fact that Gerard Mayo on pretty much day one as the head coach of this team, he was calling people. He was calling external candidates. He was talking to people outside of the building about the front office. And I think we overlooked that and we shouldn't because I don't believe that Mayo is wasting his time on the first day of being the head coach of the New England Patriots picking up the phone and talking to people about the front office structure and whether or not they would like to come over here. I think that means a lot. I think the fact that Mayo started contacting people right away tells us that this was a top priority. This was a top priority in the eyes of Mayo. We have to talk to people outside of this building. We have to get their thoughts on the front office. We have to get their thoughts on personnel, where they would like to go, ask those questions, and gather information. So I think it's crucial that, number one, on day one, he was calling people outside of the building. Number two, that he felt it was so important to reach out to people outside of the building regarding personnel in the front office that he made it one of his first priorities, one of the first things that he did when he got the gig. And we overlooked that. And a lot of people just spew out stuff. We need to look at what we know. And what we know is, Mayo was making those calls minute one. interested in ideas from outside the organization about how to fix this personnel. Before we move on, quick super chat from Rich Don eight. appreciate you. says thank you for the Nick Cattle show. Thank you, Rich Don, uh, for the contribution to the program financially. Super chats. I'll never turn them down. Never turn them down. Again, you know, this past week was the most successful week of this program's existence. We had the best podcast as far as views go, the busiest podcast that we've ever had last week for the Alex Van Pelt News. We are continuing to build momentum, and it's all because of you. Onward and Upward, Nick Cattle Show, 11 a.m. Monday through Friday here on YouTube. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter slash X, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Pods. So the fact that Mayo was out there immediately contacting people makes me feel good. And we've talked about that. We talked about it when it happened because I felt that a lot of people were not paying attention to that. They weren't talking about that. Everybody wanted to just talk about Elliot Wolf and, you know, Matt Groh and Pat Stewart and keeping that front office the same as it's been. Not many people were talking about, hey, wait, Mayo was talking to others in in front offices. So I think that's, you know, a, a good part of where things are mentally for Mayo and what he's trying to accomplish. The other part of what Jeff Howe had to say in that column of the athletic is the fact that they're looking at somebody and likely, as Jeff Howe wrote it, likely a new voice will be added to the personnel department. So likely a new voice will be brought in from the outside. And that again, gives me some hope that likely somebody from outside this Patriots organization that has worked in the front office of somewhere will be eventually brought in. And it goes back to what Robert Kraft had to say at the introductory press conference when he said, we will let you know there is going to be a number one shot caller. There will be that person. And we will let you know who that person is before key decisions have to be made. So this is all kind of falling in line. Now, whether or not that new person is going to be in this front office when decisions are being made, we don't know because let's not forget. Let's not forget the fact that a lot of times the NFL, you stick with your front office because they've been doing all of the work the prior year, and then changes many times happen after the draft. So will this outside person actually come into the front office before the draft, after the draft? We don't know, but it certainly sounds like Mayo is on the phone. He was talking to people from outside the building and likely one of those people, if not more than one of those people will be eventually joining this front office, which is good news. And I I keep my eye on Trey Brown because he has a connection with Gerard Mayo. He is somebody that's been in Cincinnati for the last couple of years. He's seen how they built that program around a young stud quarterback in Joe Burrow. Obviously, they attacked the offense and brought weapons in. So Trey Brown is a guy that I keep my eyes on. You could also talk about others. You know, people that have had experience here with the Patriots before that might come back. The John Robinsons of the world, the Thomas Dimitros, the the Dave Ziegler's. Are those the guys that Mayo was talking to? We'll have to wait and see. But two things I took from it. Number one, I'm glad Mayo was calling people on day one from outside the building to get feelers about this front office. Number two, the fact that it is likely or seems likely somebody from the outside will eventually be coming in a new, fresh set of eyes. We just don't know the timing before the draft, after the draft. We'll have to wait and see. And I'll stand by this. I've been saying this since really Mayo became the head coach. Elliot Wolf to me seems to be the guy that's running the show. And there were some reports that if they stayed in house, Wolf was the likely guy that was going to stay. It seems to me. That Elliot Wolf is running this program as if he is the general manager, as if he's the president of football operations. And we talked about it going back a week or two ago. The fact that Wolf was back here in New England with Mayo, he was interviewing all of these offensive coordinator candidates, and he has been a driving force. There's no doubt about it that Elliot Wolf has been a driving force behind the personnel moves for this offensive staff. There's no doubt. That the links between Green Bay and New England, the fact that Alex Van Pelt is from Green Bay and worked with that system with Mike McCarthy, the fact that Ben McAdoo has been brought up and he was in Green Bay, Elliot Wolf was in Green Bay. It, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure these things out. That Elliot Wolf is using his connections from his days in Green Bay to work on this offensive staff with Mayo, and that Mayo trusts Wolf enough for him to be that guy that's helping put this staff together. And the fact that Matt grow was down in Alabama last week while Wolf was back here working hand in hand with the head coach. It should lend us all to believe that Elliot Wolf right now is the de facto GM. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think that's a good thing. Highly respected, great reputation throughout the game, a gigantic network throughout the league. Somebody who did not come up through Belichick has his own thought process on how to do things. So I think that's where they're at. All right, more thoughts on this in a minute. But first, don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Every single thumb means an awful lot to this program, this situation that we're building here on YouTube and other places, the Nick Cattle Show. Every single like means the world. More likes means more eyeballs. So if you're watching on YouTube, take a split second, of your time and just click that thumbs up for us. Don't forget to comment and don't forget to subscribe trying to hit 2000 subscriptions by March 1st. That's the new goal. I thank all of you for getting us to 1750 well before Valentine's day. And you can send a super chat to jump the line, jump the line of comments. If you want your comment or question heard, you can send a super chat and we'll get to it. Benny's Ben says, Hey Nick, what's up, Benny's? Appreciate you as always jumping in. Marilyn, a regular, says, Good morning, fellow Pats fans. Good morning, Marilyn. Gregory Brown says he likes Elliot Wolf as the GM. I do too. I have absolutely zero issue with it, Gregory. And Gregory also weighs in on Trey Brown. He likes Trey Brown. So if you end up leaving this offseason with Elliot Wolf as your GM, Trey Brown involved at the top levels along with Wolf. And even if Matt Groh is still, you know, running the scout department, if it's Wolf, Brown and Mayo really as the three figureheads of this front office, I don't have much of a problem with it. Honestly, I, I'm not going to sit there and, and kill that idea of those three guys. I, I think I'd be perfectly fine with Wolf, Brown and Mayo making the decisions with Matt Groh and Pat Stewart and Cam Williams running the scouting department underneath those guys. I think it would make a lot of sense. I do think they will tab someone to officially run it. I think they have to do that. And I want that person to be named before free agency. I want to know who is the decision maker, who has the final call on personnel before we get to free agency, which is March 13th. Now, I want somebody named within the next couple of weeks to make sure that they have their ducks in a row and because it's very important for us to make sure that, you know, accountability is there. We have to make sure that we're keeping somebody accountable for making these final decisions. Belichick was the one that had all the accountability for the past quarter century. Now we need to know who that next person is so we keep them accountable because they are responsible for an absolutely gigantic offseason. Gigantic offseason coming up. Tens of millions of dollars of cap space, a top three pick in the draft. And to utilize those resources in the right way, we want to know who's calling the shots. The last piece of the Jeff Howe article at The Athletic before we move on to something else that he wrote is that this is an attractive job. While sources around the league are curious about the process of hiring a department head, it's also because they're hoping to get in on the action. It's viewed as an attractive job opening. And I actually believe that. And I believe that because of the resources I just mentioned, the fact that you're going to have a ton of money, a ton of money to spend this offseason. You are going to have a top pick in the draft. In the first three rounds, everybody focuses on number three, and rightfully so. But let's not forget, you've got the second pick in the second round, you've got a top five or six pick in the third round, so you have a lot of assets in the draft that could be, could be sexy, so to speak, to other people around the league. You're also starting with a good defense. Say top ten DVOA defense. So you're starting with a good defense, a good foundation. You know, one of the phases of this football team is solidified. And you also have Robert Kraft, which means you have an owner who over the past 25 years hasn't meddled. And if you are a GM, a president of football operations, you want to work with an owner that is not going to be in the way. King Cato sends a super chat. I appreciate you, King Cato. He's also one of the regulars or she's one of the regulars. Uh, Appreciate you weighing in. Let Grow and Wolf do their thing and have Mayo as the tiebreaker. You know, I think Matt Groh is one of the most polarizing people that is part of this organization right now, and it's mostly to do with him being a Belichick loyalist. Belichick gave him the gig, of course, uh, to start him off. He's been with the team for, I think, 13 years. He made his way up, and you know, some people say, well, he's not even ready to have the position that he's had over the past couple of years. He's Al Groh's son, Belichick guy. Belichick, you know, didn't rush him so to speak, but put him in charge of things that he probably should not have been put charge of. And it's fascinating because let's not forget that Elliot Wolf, even though Matt Groh and his title, it would tell you that he is the top guy in the organization underneath Bill over the past couple of years. It's interesting that Wolf was working with free agency. You know, Wolf was the guy that was contacting free agents. He was the guy that was contacting agents. He was the guy that was putting some contracts together because of his network. So Wolf was the guy that was working on a lot of the NFL matters. Matt Groh was working on a lot of on, on a lot of the college matters. So it seems like their titles could be swapped and they should have been swapped because their responsibilities didn't necessarily match the title that they had under Belichick. So it'll be interesting. You know, maybe you make Matt Groh the college scouting director, and you make you know Wolf the GM or the president of football ops, whatever the hell his title is going to be. But a lot of people they just think Matt Groh, they think Tyquan Thornton, they think if you want to be fast, you got to get fast guys, right? <laughs> right? So, but really, we don't know. Again, we have no idea the conversations that happen in the front office. We really don't. Belichick had the final call, so the decisions are on him. But we don't know if Matt Groh was a super-duper uber Taekwondo Thornton guy. Was that leaked out there to make Groh look worse? I don't know. We have the Debo Samuel A.J. Brown story where, you know, Bill was hot on Akil Harry because he had links to Arizona State and he was a bigger receiver. But the scouts wanted Debo or A.J. Brown and Belichick overruled them. Is that leaked to make Belichick look bad? We have no idea. No idea. But what you look at is if, if Matt Groh had the ear of Bill Belichick over the last several years, as far as the draft goes and scouting goes, then there is an obvious concern. Because if Matt Groh was the senior advisor to Belichick, so to speak, and the drafts were so bad from 2015 to 2022, then you don't want that guy running the scouting department. But I think a lot of the stuff that we've read, that we've heard, let's not forget. There are sources and and a lot of times these sources have agendas. So we really don't know if you are asking me, I'd say Elliot Wolf, give him the call, bring in Trey Brown, let him be the guy as well, along with Wolf and Mayo and have those three guys run the personnel. Mayo tells Wolf and Brown what he wants. Wolf and Brown make the moves. That's what I would want. Matt Groh, you know, Cam Williams is highly thought of. I don't know what you would do with Matt Groh, but as long as he's not making the decisions, then whatever. I mean, if Matt Groh wants to be a voice, let him be a voice. But if you have Elliot Wolf, along with an outside person and Gerard Mayo, if they're the ones that are responsible for the decision-making, that's what truly matters. Everybody else is just gathering intel. They're just giving you thoughts and And, you know, their their own scouting sheets on each guy. But whoever makes the call is the one that matters. So we'll see how all of it goes. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Take a second of your time to like this program. Facebook, Twitter slash X also on YouTube. The more likes, the better. Take that second to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscriptions by March 1st. All right, one more very important note from Howe on Elliot Wolf. Here's what he wrote. If it's Wolf running the show, expect the Patriots to give a long hard look at drafting a left tackle with the number 3 pick. Now, some people read that and they went a little overboard. Some people read that as if Elliot Wolf is truly the leader of the front office, that he is going to be the guy that's going to select Joe Alt or Olu Fushanu at number 3. I would pump the brakes on that a little bit. First, Wolf's not the guy just yet. Now, he he's, again, acting to me as the de facto GM. But until we get word that there is a true number one guy making the decisions before free agency, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Wolf is going to be the number one guy on draft night. So if Wolf is the guy running the show, as Jeff Howe reported, if If he is going to be that guy, then he would look long and hard at an offensive tackle at number three. But we don't know if Wolf's going to be the guy running the show. And number two, it's not framed as a guarantee. It's not guaranteed. A long, hard look just means you're going to entertain the idea of drafting a tackle. Doesn't mean you're going to do it. You're going to look at the tackle class. And honestly, why would you not look long and hard at offensive tackle? Awenu is a free agent. Trent Brown's a free agent. Right now, today, February 5th, 2024, you don't have a single starting offensive tackle for this football team. So it would be a dereliction of duty for anybody in that front office not to think long and hard about taking an offensive tackle at the top of this draft. You should also think long and hard at taking a quarterback at number three or a wide receiver at number three. There are so many holes offensively for this team. I want everyone in the front office to be thinking long and hard about those three positions and then draft the best guy. I do wonder also, is this a way to gauge interest in that pick? And what I mean by that is if you leak out that you're going to look long and hard at a tackle, then teams that want a quarterback, they're going to start calling you. Now, they would probably call you anyway to see how you feel. But if anybody was wondering if the Patriots were open for business, so to speak, getting this out there now before free agency makes a ton of sense because teams are going to know if they need a quarterback or not once they hit free agency in the middle of March. So this could be a way to get the word out there that the Patriots are open for business in that we're not necessarily eyeing just a quarterback at number three. And if you're a team that wants a quarterback, the final guy out of the top three, out of the Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels triumvirate, if if you're a team that wants desperately one of those three guys, then you have to move up and do business with us. If you are a team that is desperate for Marvin Harrison Jr., you're going to have to move up and do business with us. So this could be a, a very smart way to gauge interest out there in the market for that number three pick by saying, hey, yeah, we're going to look long and hard to tackle. I am still a quarterback guy. I'm going to stand by that. If you love one of these quarterbacks, you have to draft one of these quarterbacks. We talked about it going back a few weeks ago. I still stand by that stance. But I don't want to reach for a quarterback. If you don't love the quarterback, then don't draft the quarterback. You cannot." Use the number three pick on somebody that you don't absolutely love. This has to be you getting ready for a marriage. This is not going out on a date on Friday night. You have to love the quarterback to draft the quarterback at number three, because if you swing and miss at a quarterback at number three, that will set your organization back because we know we're pretty confident that Marvin Harrison Jr. will be a very good wide receiver at the NFL level. We are very confident that Alt is going to be a damn good offensive tackle for 10 to 15 years if he stays healthy. So it's not just if you take that quarterback at three and he doesn't work out. It's the fact that you passed up some of these other guys in a very talent-rich draft on the offensive side of the football. You passed them up to draft a quarterback. That's why if you draft a quarterback at three, you best be in love with that dude and over heels with that guy. So I want a quarterback if they love him. And and right now, I I would lean towards Jaden Daniels or Drake May, whoever's left out of one of those two guys. That's what I would do. But again, I also don't know these prospects as well as the scouting department does. They know the ins and outs. They know character. They know leadership. They, They know everything. They've watched hours of these guys, and I haven't. Taking an offensive tackle at three is not crazy. I'll tell you why in a minute. Don't forget to give us that like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Pods, you can rate and review as well. This is the Nick Cattle Show. The the Nick Cattle Show on a Monday morning. Here's why drafting a tackle is not crazy with your top pick. Number one, as I just mentioned, it's a huge need. Owenu, Brown, if they're both gone, you are in a desperate situation day one at offensive tackle. So it is a gigantic need. If, if you look at this and you say to yourself, hey, they could re-sign Michael Wenu, and then you draft Alt, I know it's not the sexy thing that everybody wants, and I know it's not the quarterback. However, if you told me that this offensive line has Alt at left tackle, Owenu at right tackle, that's a fantastic start. That is a fantastic start. Alt, left tackle, Cole Strange, who got better throughout last year. He just has to stay healthy. But if you have Alt at left tackle, Strange at left guard, Andrews as your center, City So, who showed promise last year at right guard, Owenu at right tackle, that is a much better offensive line situation than you have right now. Much better. So I don't think it's bananas to say, hey, you can go out there and re-sign Michael Wenu. You can draft Joe Alt, and now you've got your two tackles. If you believe a Wenu can be a full-time tackle, you have your two tackles solidified for the next several years, and hopefully for the next ten to fifteen years. And that's a very good thing. Now I will say, if you're going to draft an offensive tackle, if that's what you're going to do, I would try to move down, because I think you could get Alt. You could get Fashanu lower than three. I would also say I don't want to go any lower than eight. To me, the Falcons at eight is like the very last option. If the Falcons, who need a quarterback, want to move up to three to draft Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and you're not in love with one of those quarterbacks, you could drop down to eight, you could pick up a ton of draft capital, and you could still end up with one of Alter Fashanu. And if you feel like there's not as much of a gap between Alton Fashanu, then that's really not that big of a hit. So if you're going to draft a, a tackle, I would much rather move down a couple of spots. I don't want them to move down to 12, 15, 20, move down a couple of spots. If you can still draft your tackle and pick up additional draft capital, that's what I would want to see if they go tackle. Cato jumps in. If you don't love a quarterback, what would you do at quarterback? Well, I think there's a few names out there. I think, unfortunately, you'd be left with one of the veterans, right? So I I think you look at Jacoby Brissett, which many people have brought up. Brissett has a history with Alex Van Pelt. I think Brissett would make some sense. Gardner Minshew would make some sense within a West Coast offense. I, I think, you know, Minshew would be somebody I'd be interested in. So there are a couple of names. Baker Mayfield is staying in Tampa. I don't think he's leaving. So you look at Minshew, you look at Brissett, you look at some of those veteran names, and you see who's available. And you you could still take a swing at a young quarterback in the middle rounds. So that would be, I would guess, the thought process if you don't pick a quarterback at three. Tackle's also much tougher to find than wide receiver. I mean, just think about the top wide receivers in the league. Think about wide receivers that are that are considered number one guys. And then think about true, defining franchise left tackles. We're talking about, you know, the Trent Williams of the world. There are not a lot of Trent Williams out there. There are a lot of number one receivers in the league right now, the way offenses are run. So tackle is tougher to fill than wide receiver. And if you tell me you think that you can get a tackle that's going to be you know, an all pro tackle multiple times and be that guy for 10 to 15 years, then that is a very precious commodity. I have a lot of confidence. I can go out there and get a receiver without using the first round pick on a receiver. I'm not as confident that I can go out there and find a cornerstone at left tackle without using that first round pick on him. So we all have to keep everything in perspective in the context. It is not. It is not. It is not bad to have a Hall of Fame caliber offensive tackle on the left side for 10 to 15 years. (laughs) That's a pretty damn good thing to have. And if they think that Joe Alt is that guy, and I'm a Notre Dame fan, I'll tell you, Joe Alt's a stud. I don't miss a Notre Dame football game. Alt is a stud. So I I think he has the potential to be a Hall of Fame left tackle. So if you think he has that potential, That's what you do when you're in the top five. The goal is to find somebody that you think has a chance, especially if you're in the top three, is to find somebody that you believe has a chance to wear a gold jacket. That's the point. Wide receivers deep. A lot of guys in the NFL, a ton of guys in this draft, several in free agency. All right. One more note. Just wanted to uh, recap the Belichick letter here. And get your thoughts on how you felt about Belichick's letter. Uh, He penned it to the Patriots fans. Nowhere in America, pro sports fans as passionate as in New England. Blessed to feel your passion and power. Undaunted by weather. Attended scorching hot training camp practices. Braved Foxborough's coldest, wettest, snowiest, and windiest days. Your thoughtful letters offered support, critique, and creative play suggestions. You watched on TV, the internet. And from your stadium seats, six times you packed Boston by the millions for parades that were truly a two-way expression in gratitude and love. The images from those days are burned in my memory. You may even have enjoyed my fashion sense and press conferences, or maybe you just tolerated them. I loved coaching here, and together we experienced some amazing moments. Thank you all Re- with respect and admiration, Bill Belichick. I thought it was a, a very nice thing to do by Belichick, writing that letter two Patriots fans, and I 100% believe that Belichick feels this way. You know, let's not forget during Belichick's goodbye, the the moment he got choked up was the moment he talked about the fans, it was the moment that he mentioned the parades. So I don't think it should surprise anybody, anybody, that you've you know you've got this letter from Belichick being direct to the fans and sharing with them how much he loved the experience of these Patriots fans over the past close to quarter century. So I 100% believe that Bill Belichick feels that way. All right, let's jump to uh, a few of your chats here. I got to move up the chain again. If you wanted to jump to the front of the line, uh, the way to do that is to uh, send a super chat. Let's go to uh, Miss Snoopy, Mr. Snoopy. Why didn't they just make Nick... Kaylee, the coach, and then get a quarterback coach that has experience. So the whole Kaylee thing, it depends on who you read or who you listen to. People will say that Nick Kaylee didn't take the job because he's comfortable in LA. He didn't take the job because of the roster. He didn't take the job because he's going to be the OC with the Rams and obviously with the Sean McVay tree. He's not going to really miss out on any opportunities. If he goes back to LA, which is the expectation now, and he's the pass game coordinator or he's the offensive coordinator. He's almost guaranteed to get another shot at a gig next offseason. So he's not going to lose anything. Other people would tell you that it was a money thing. There is the rumor. I don't know if I'd call it a report. I've heard, you know, trusted reporters throw it out there. Paul Perillo is one of them. Albert Breer was another one that said that, you know, it could have been a money thing. And, you know, there's this rumor out there that Nick Kaylee wanted more money this year as the OC than Bill O'Brien made last year. And look, that's a non starter. Bill O'Brien, no matter how you feel about him, experienced play caller, ran a program down in Houston, ran a college program. So, wanting more money than what you paid for O'Brien, that's a tough ask. So, we don't really know. We don't really know why Nick Caley and the Patriots at the last second uh, decided to not work together. It would certainly sa- seem like it was a Nick Caley decision and not a Patriots decision. Mike Pyle, what do you think about them hiring Ben McAdoo? We're going to get to McAdoo tomorrow, Mike. I have a lot of thoughts on McAdoo. And, and my thoughts on McAdoo I think are going to be very unique after listening to some of the stuff I listened to this morning. After the huddle, LFG was actually able to catch a live show during work. Thanks, man. Thank you after the huddle. Appreciate every single one of you who continue who continue to support this program. Matthew Wilson, I don't envy the job Mayo has in front of him. I don't either. And, you know, we've talked about this. We've touched on it a little bit. But the fact is Bill Belichick left this organization in a terrible spot, offensively, defensively, they're in a a good, they're in good shape, but offensively very, very tough. It's incredibly difficult to sell one of these young gun offensive coordinators. It's very difficult to sell Nick Kaley on this job. When you don't have a quarterback, you don't have either starting offensive tackle on the roster. You don't have a legitimate wide receiver. One, you don't even have a legitimate wide receiver two. You only have one running back on the roster. And last year for the first month and a half, he didn't look like the guy. So it's a very challenging set of circumstances. All right. I appreciate every single one of you joining me on this Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about Ben McAdoo and more. At least that's the plan. If news breaks, other stuff comes out, as has been the case during this very, very busy offseason already. We'll get to that. But until tomorrow, I appreciate every single one of you joining me. This has been the Nick Cattle Show.